Guys, it's been uh, too long. Too long it has been. I just finished eating a plum. I'm drinking coffee. I'm doing my normal daily activities. But just wanted to quickly record an episode. I think I'm going to just, you know, on this one, let's just talk about what's going on lately. Uh, Stories, um, maybe a funny story here and there. But really, what I want to do is tell you about one of my heroes, um, Andrew Breitbart. Andrew Breitbart is a personal hero of mine. Um, that may sound funny to some, but seriously, Andrew Breitbart is a is a pioneer in media. He's a pioneer in a lot of things. And you've probably seen that clip of Andrew Breitbart, and he's talking about how the media portrays conservatives and, and how at that time it was the Tea Party. And he says, uh, quote, um, you know, you want to paint us as racist, as Timothy McVeigh uh, type bombers, and we're not going to take it anymore. And then he says, F you, and then he goes, war. And there's this like music to it. And it actually got big on Vine for a while. They they ripped off that um, Vine ripped off the Andrew Breitbart clip, actually, from what I remember. And he's been influential in a lot of things, but you most likely know Andrew Breitbart best by his website, Breitbart.com or BigHollywood.com, BigGovernment.com. Some of these websites were influential. Excuse me. Well, some of these uh, websites were influential in my, um, in my political upbringing and, Breitbart hasn't been around forever, um, but one of the things that's most interesting about Andrew, Andrew Breitbart, is he actually created Huffington Post, which if you know the Huffington Post, you would know it to be an avowedly left of center um, media website that is a huge, huge uh, player in in pushing out narratives, and Ariana Huffington started that, um, and the actual founders of of Huffington Post were Andrew Breitbart and Ariana Huffington. And looking back on it now, that, that's just a genius to create a, a, an unavowedly left of centered, um, left of center news website and media website. And it, it got my attention on this that conservatives have dominated talk radio. We've dominated uh even podcasting, we've dominated some of these areas, but we haven't really dominated in in culture, art, media as the left has. Where as a left, whereas conservatives have Rush Limbaugh on AM radio, um, the the left has NPR. They have all types of media outlets. They have Vice News. They have all of these things, and they've been wildly successful at that. So. If you want to, I'd say definitely go check out Andrew Breitbart and just listen um, to him. And there's actually a documentary um, about Breitbart, Andrew Breitbart, that is, in the foundings of the website called uh, Hating Breitbart. I've said Breitbart a lot in this uh, episode, but it's called Hating Breitbart. I found it, I actually use DuckDuckGo now as my primary browser. And it's not because I'm weird about data. I actually find that DuckDuckGo gets me the information that I'm looking for faster than faster than other websites. Um, 
like for example, this uh, documentary, I wanted to watch it and I went to Google and typing that in on Google was, was weird. It gave me like YouTube clips. It gave me other types of avenues, but it didn't give me the actual archive.org file. I went on DuckDuckGo. I scrolled down like maybe half the page and found exactly what I'm looking for in a matter of seconds. And Google has never afforded me that. In fact, today um, I was on YouTube and I was watching the... Um, Actually, last night I looked up Gavin McInnes, an old clip of Gavin McInnes doing like a Glaswegian accent. And Gavin McInnes is, is not an extremist, but Gavin McInnes is someone who I would say was influential in the new conservative movement, like neoconservatism, or I guess a new movement in paleoconservatism, I should say. Gosh, I just spilled coffee on myself. Ow, that hurt. Dang. Okay, guys. Just spill coffee. You're getting the real stuff here. You are getting the real raw footage. Pretty sure I just burned myself. Okay. I'm not going to hold coffee while I talk in this thing. Um, but definitely just burn myself. But, but Gavin, I was watching a video of Gavin. Sorry. Um, I was watching this video, and I, I was amazed because all the recommended videos were late night or late show with – Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Fallon skits, and all of the Jimmy Fallon, all of the Stephen Colbert stuff was Trump. It was all Trump, all negative Trump, all making him look like a bombastic person. And I and I wondered, have these people always been this way? Have they always been, you know, have they always been this liberal, this leftist? And I think that you know, this is where the documentary Hating Breitbart came in because it exposed and it has exposed the, the bias in media. There's countless interviews of Andrew Breitbart from 10, 11 years ago where he's saying CBS, NBC, ABC, NPR are left of center publishers and they aren't honest about it. Whereas MSNBC and Fox News are very honest about their beliefs and they're not trying to point themselves as we are a centrist group. And he has clips of when the Tea Party started and how the coverage on the Tea Party was done and how CNN was out there saying these people were racist and 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 were were hater like they were hating people and they were they were being very uh, very very uh, biased in their reporting on the Tea Party. When we know that the Tea Party, when they went to Washington, they actually, when they left, picked up trash. Trash they didn't even leave. They did a trash pickup. That's That's been recorded. These people were, you know, they weren't in the birther movement. They were Second Amendment supporting patriots is what they are. But yet the media portrays them as Timothy McVeigh type bombers um, and murderers. And this is over 10 years ago now. And this is how we portrayed them when Obama came into office in 2009, 2010. We see the Tea Party movement really making a rise. And the coverage on it was not fair. The coverage was wrong. And they owe these people an apology. And even though the Tea Party's not as big now, the way it's recorded and the way it was reported, I mean, the way it was reported was extremely biased. It was so biased. It was wrong. It, it, they should go back and really issue a statement in the fact that Nicholas Salmon of at the Covington High School just won these two lawsuits against uh, CNN and uh, Washington Post, I believe, were the two. It's it's a precedent in media that you can't just take a narrative and run with it and, and slander somebody 
when you're the publisher, you have to be held responsible. And media has never been held responsible. Ever. They just publish things. Now, what I'd like to see is why don't we go to the English style of reporting? In 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 England, they have the Times of London, which is a conservative, you know, news outlet, and then they have the Guardian, which is a very left left of center, uh, progressive website and newspaper. And in America, it's like we've we've created this media machine that is not accurate to what it is. Um, we try to say we're unbiased and that we're fair and that NBC and CBS and ABC are fair, but they're not. And they're frauds. We see this best with Ellen, De- Ellen DeGeneres. Not so nice after all, huh? People aren't who you think they are on television. And they're not loving. They're not caring. And these liberals, what they do, and I'll be real, what liberals have done in history has cr- treated minorities as their pets. They, they, they use them as their pawns in their political game. We'll give you this, but you got to vote for us in this way. Um, I think we saw that best. with uh, I know Charlemagne just talked about it uh, just recently, but when Joe Biden said that you ain't black, quote, if, if you vote for Trump, you ain't black. Voting for me means you're black. Was such a distasteful and over, downright idiotic move on his part. But the man has the man is mentally in enable, or I don't even know what the right word would be. Mentally, uh, he's not there. He's not cognitive of or cognizant of his own surroundings. And it's very true, and it's very sad to see someone who was a vice president at one time be so absolutely. Absolutely, um, just scattered. I mean, for a guy that's supposed to be running the country, he came and say certain words. He came and, you know, he doesn't even remember what he's doing. I'm running for United States Senate. That was recently. He doesn't even know what he's doing. And it, just recently, he was on the interview, and that that black reporter asked him, "Would you have you taken a cognitive test?" And he said, "What? Why did I take a cognitive test? Do you have to take a test?" And pretty much what he said was. You people is what he said to not the media. He said, you people, would you, would your people have to take a crack test? Crack historically has affected the black community. He uses the word you people. Joe Biden has time and time again proved himself to be just a mentally handicapped candidate. And his VP picks are people that would never have been, um, never have even been, even qualified or even on the short list of VPs. And he's just throwing them out there because in 2020, we've just gotten rid of all reasoning, right? Let me take a sip of coffee. Sorry. Mm. You ban, you ban coffee. Today's podcast is brought to you by you. No, we're not sponsored. We're not sponsored. This isn't about making money. This is a passion project. And that's why I don't really do many of these because I'm a busy guy. Well, I was a busy guy until pandemic struck, and now I'm most like you out there that are working from home and are bored out of their minds because there's only so much work you can do in a day before you go, wow, I'm extremely bored. I've been behind a computer all day. It gets boring. With no commute time and none of that, I mean, you're just workaholics now. 
But anyways, um, yeah, so Andrew Breitbart has been a huge inspiration. Uh, I say all that to say that Andrew Breitbart was saying things before anyone else was. The man was um, prolific in the conservative movement. He's created a brand and a website that, one, is a giant in terms of what it stands for. Whereas other news media doesn't try to say they have a a bias. Breitbart is very open, very honest about their bias. They report the media that they find to be important. It's how the early Americans would have had media. Having one media source without a bias is impossible. Everyone has bias. Science, science has bias. You know, so you can't you can't look at it that way. But anyways, I, I wanted to I saw this to say, huge Breitbart guy. I've been listening a lot to his interviews, but he was so far ahead of things. He was ahead of the John Podesta stuff. If you know anything about the John Podesta uh, filings that were released, if you know anything about the the foul play from John Podesta being uh, a child, uh, a, a man that's he's a pedophile. Let's be real. John Podesta is a pedophile. Um, I think anyone could see that. Um, but really and truly, it's exposed a lot about people. He's exposed a lot about people. He was the first person reporting on Anthony Weiner's uh, pictures to minors before anyone. Like, nobody was reporting on it. Andrew Breitbart was. He was ahead of the curve. He's always been ahead of the curve. He was a liberal when he went to college, and he went to Tulane in New Orleans, and he left uh, a conservative with a, a viewpoint that only he has. He's from L.A. He's from Los Angeles. So the guys, I love and respect him. I'm pretty sure he's Jewish, um, and he's a huge supporter of Israel. Love it. Um, which brings me to another point. Why in the world would you be anti-Israel? <laughs> I've thought about this at length. I mean, if as an American... As a Christian, as a human, if you look at the Middle East and you examine the culture and you take all that out, but you just say, if there's any country that's increasing the quality of life in the Middle East, who, who would it be in that area? Israel, obviously Israel. They're, they're very a progressive country for that area, and they're, they're pro-democracy. They are are they are the one group in the one country and the one people in the Middle East that are fighting for uh, human rights and, and fighting even though there is bombing and everything with Palestine, but that's a whole other episode. It's a whole other can of beans right there, can of worms. But Israel is a ally and should be viewed as an ally. We should do what we can to support them. Maybe we don't donate billions a year to them, but we should show our support and we should do it quickly. But anyways, I did want to keep this one lighthearted. And I did want to talk about <laughs> what life is like in growing up in a small town. And then like a really small town. Where my parents live now, there's like 3,000 people. And where I grew up, I think in our county, I think in our county, we only had one, we only had one high school. We had about 1,200 students in our high school to 1,100, 1,200 students. I graduated about 200 people, 220, I think was what it was. 
But um, it's so funny to me because here I live in Metro Atlanta, and where I live is a very, um, very residential, very suburban area. And we're not suburban, but it's a very residential area, neighborhood of, of Atlanta. And I'll be out walking. I, I go walk every day, pretty much. But I'll be out walking and on the sidewalk and people will be coming towards me. And here, here in this part of Atlanta, people are so cautious about the virus. It's it's crazy because when I go home, um, you know, you go to a restaurant, there might be some people wearing a mask. I think the workers are mostly wearing masks. Um, but no one's acting crazy about it. But down here, like you'll be going places and people will literally walk in the middle of the road. I'm not making this up. Like I'm talking about in the middle of the road to get away from, from people, which it's courteous, but I think it's a little bit crazy. You could just move over a foot. I mean, you don't need to be 20 feet away from me. You know what I'm saying? So it's like middle of the day. I've seen people in the middle of the day in 90 degree weather wearing masks, walking by themselves. I said, that, let me repeat that middle of the day, walking by themselves, wearing masks. That to me is just insane. Oh, but anyways, um, go check out Andrew Breitbart. Let me know what y'all think. Um, you lefties out there are going to be so angry, so angry at me because I just mentioned a legend, um, in the world of of news but oh let's see uh quick updates so i, I might have told you this i actually opened up a credit card which goes against all my beliefs on money um opened up a credit card like probably two two or three months ago and i've been using it but today actually was the last day i've ever used it and i paid the bill i never carried a balance on it but I actually just cut it up today. I cut it up. And I think it's a great thing. It, it doesn't, to me, as banks get better and banks are incentivizing things more, to me, it really makes no sense to have a credit card. Especially, I've heard the argument a lot from people. It's, oh, I treat my credit card like a debit card. And that, to me, makes no sense. The reason why it doesn't make sense to me is because you wouldn't treat a hammer like a... Hmm, let me see. You wouldn't treat a hammer like a paint scraper. And you wouldn't treat a screwdriver like a hammer. They're two different tools. They're two different things. They're two different categories. And one of the things I didn't like about it was I was paying for things a month after that I had bought them. And I noticed I was... Spending a little bit more than I usually would because in my mind, it's true. The psychological tactics of these companies is to get you to spend money. That's why they give you rewards. That's why they do these things because if they make it a little bit easier, a little bit less friction on you to spend, then they're doing their job. So I actually cut it up today. I'm going to call them later and cancel the account. I don't care about a credit score. I don't. I've heard the arguments of, of, oh, you need a credit score to get a good mortgage rate or whatever. But the truth is, is if you if you go into any mortgage lender and you have 
and this is what I plan on doing is 50 to 70% of the, the principal amount of the house, like the actual cost of the house, say it was 250. And I walk in there and I have $115,000 in cash, not including the money I already have from my emergency fund and some other key categories. And I slap that down. Well, I wouldn't slap it down because I wouldn't have it in my hands, right? It'd probably be in a bank. But if I if I showed my my bank and I said I have fifteen thousand dollars in emergency fund, and then I have a fund of about one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars separate for buying a home, what mortgage lender on earth is going to take into account your credit score? As whatever it is, if you have one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. And you tell them I started saving four years ago, which is aggressive, but it could you could do it. But what mortgage lender would would um, deny someone who's coming into their office wanting to get a loan, and they have good income, they have you know appropriate what's the word? They have like the appropriate resources. So, for example, they have. A car and they don't have a car payment and they have no debt and they have this much money going a hundred and what is that hundred and thirty five thousand dollars in debt to get a home if you put that much down that's such less risk than the person that comes in there with a non with a not a nine hundred but a seven eighty credit score with a car payment of four hundred dollars a month making seventy five thousand dollars a year and they have credit card bill that they're still working to pay off, which their credit score may be that high, but I'm just using this as an example. They have a a car loan and they might have some student loan debt and they come in there and they make 85,000. They make more, but they have a credit score of 780 and the mortgage lender goes, well, what would your down payment be? And they say 6%. Which... Which financial decision makes most as the person lending out the money, right? The guy that has no debt, maybe a little bit less income, but his credit score is a lot lower because he doesn't need credit, but he has the cash. He qualifies for a 15-year fixed rate mortgage at a pretty good interest rate. He's got enough of a down payment that the risk for the bank is way less. I, I don't think there's any bank on earth with any sense that would look at the guy with a 780 credit score and go, hmm. So he has $40,000 in student loan debt. He's got $12,000 left to pay off on his car. Maybe more. Maybe it's $20,000 left to pay on his car. And he pays $200 a month on that. And then he's got, you know, an income of 85000 Or she. She has an income of 85000 She's trying to buy a house. <laughs> Nine out of ten times, and I, I would be willing to back this because I have friends in the mortgage lending industry that the person with no debt with a huge down payment getting a smaller mortgage with a worse credit score is going to be the financially smart business move over the higher credit score. The amount, the 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 likelihood that someone who's laying down a hundred grand down payment on a home defaults on that home is exponentially less. Than the person making more money that technically has more money to spend month a month because it's not, you know, they're not 
making or they're not saving as much. They definitely have more money to spend. But the person with the amount of, with actual cash would win out in that situation nine out of ten times. It's the same reason why if you were a business and you had customers and you had a customer who you had charge accounts, you had a customer who had an income of a hundred grand, a customer had an income of twenty thousand, and the customer never charged anything, but the customer with a hundred grand charged everything. Was always late or just never, you know, paid it on time or kind of had a little cloud hanging over them. You want the consistent 20K income guy that's doing the smaller purchases, not the guy coming in buying the $150 worth of stuff every three months. You want consistent business. You want traffic. Nobody would prefer the the rich dude spending $200 every six months over the, the mom, the single mom who makes barely anything, who's coming in and buying a candy bar every four days. Yeah, technically, maybe they spend more, but they're not charging anything. That's the way I look at it. It's like, if you had a customer, would you want the customer charging stuff or would you want the customer who's paying cash every single time? So that's the way I'm thinking about it. But yeah. All right, guys. I think that's going to be it for today's episode, but I did want to leave you with this. um, And I'll maybe throw some of this in the show notes, but... Actually, I will throw some of this in the show notes. Uh, some stuff I think y'all should go check out personally would be uh, that documentary called Hating Breitbart. If you want to learn more about Andrew and um, Andrew Breitbart's mission when he started, um, Breitbart.com. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that. It was a great, great documentary. I thought it was um, very uh, honest and a fair uh, assessment of who he is as a person. Um I'd say you can go check that out. And then also for, you know, my Christian buddies. And if you're not a Christian, I'd call me up. Let's talk. Because if you're not a believer, um, I'd love to talk about the gospel. But <clears throat> so uh, real quick. Um, yeah. So go check out How Should We Then Live? I think it's so critical right now to our the world we're living in with Black Lives Matter with these movements, kind of these cultural Marxist movements that are happening um, to go check out how should we then live by Fran- Francis Schaefer. There's a book, but th- if you have Amazon prime, there is the series on Amazon prime um, video and you can watch, I think season one for free. And he goes into the, uh, the creation of the Western world and through a Christian biblical worldview, the fall of the Roman empire, the fall of, lots of cultural aspects and how, you know, people even like St. Thomas Aquinas have blended uh, humanism and the Renaissance blended humanism with Christ and in Christianity. And you can go watch that. He talks about the early church, but really and truly, I think listening to that would be great. And then I would go listen to the Christian manifesto. Uh, I think it's a sermon actually that um, Francis Schaeffer did. And I'd go listen to that. And he lays out very, clearly very clearly um his reasoning for uh being not a pacifist that christians shouldn't be pacifist great 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 speech um highly recommend it it's long you're probably you're probably gonna have trouble finding that but that's the kind of stuff i'm interested in and finally gotta give a real big shout out to my friends at founders ministries for their movie or documentary on YouTube that's free called By What Standard. 
And that's BY, what standard, question mark. Um, you can find that. And there's also a book on their website. I think it's founders.org. I'm about to double check that right quick. But I would totally, if you can, go and check those guys out. Super, um, super good group of guys uh, and women, obviously, too. But um, they dive deep into theology. They talk about the rise of wokeism as a new cult, which that's what it is. Wokeism is a religion. It's a cult. It's not good. Um and go check that out and also go support wow i probably just spit in the mic there uh, go support grace community church grace to you ministries john MacArthur's ministries for standing up to the tyrannical government in california go go help them out support them donate show them that you care that you're listening that you're paying attention and that john MacArthur is leading the way for pastors to look at his example and say, you tried to keep us out of church for the sake of public safety. You said 2 million people would die. 150-something thousand people have died. The numbers are dependent on your state. But if you're a pastor, go back to church, listen to John MacArthur. And I'll leave you with this. One of my favorite endings ever from uh, Cross Politic studios cross politics show they always say at the end of the show um if you're single get married if you're getting married you have kids and if you have kids baptize them or something along those lines but i'll leave you with this um you know i'm praying that our country sees a huge shift and the way we've been operating lately and it's worrying it's worrying me how absolutely scary uh things have gotten um in our country and we might not be sacrificing children, but we kill, we've killed 57 million babies since Roe v. Wade in 1973. 20 million of those, over 20 million of those, by the way, have been black, African-American babies. Um, black people make up 13% of our population, but are over 20 million of the 57 million that have died since Roe v. Wade. So go look at the origins of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, and I may do an entire episode of exact quotes from Margaret Sanger. She is an evil, evil person. She's the person that was the founder and pretty much started the birth control movement. And when I say birth control, I mean the abortion movement in America. And look at all of the facts taken into account. Why Why did they push this on black people? Well, if you go look at Margaret Sanger, and I won't get into it now, Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist. She was a racist. She was an evil, evil person, one of the evil, most evil people on the face of this earth. Um, I honestly believe that. Um, she actually worked with the Ku Klux Klan some. She had spoken about it. She's written uh, the, the statements she's made about black people and minorities is so ridiculously racist that. It hurts my heart to see um, that there could be that much evil. But anyways, guys, I'll leave you with this. Uh, go read the word. Stay in the word. I know I need to get into it. I'll be real with y'all. Haven't really been in it as much as I should be, but I've been digging through Ecclesiastes a little bit because I've been kind of in a weird headspace. But stay in the word. Love Christ. Love people around you. And don't succumb to wokeism. This is Ideas Have People. I'm your host, Will Bird, and I'm hoping one of these days we get a guest on. Thanks so much, guys, for listening. I appreciate it, and I hope you all have a great week.